Hello, welcome to One More Dig Metal Detecting Stories, and I'm Dave Spannenberg. Hello everyone, it's been a couple weeks since I've put out a podcast. Um, I've been pretty busy with family vacations, a couple weeks in Florida. Um, you know, kids are still wrapping up the school year with track meets and, and things. But good news is I have been out. Um couple times in the last two weeks and I'd like to tell you about a couple of my finds three of my finds Um, I'm gonna tell you about a trip I'm going on the beginning of June and then I have a quick story about a find that I made in 1994 that I thought was amazing Uh, after looking at Facebook groups and stuff over the years, it's it's more common than I thought in 1994, but where I found it um, was very surprising, and I haven't found one since, and I, I metal detect a lot. So, to me, it's rare, and uh, so yeah, so uh, in the last couple weeks, I've gone out um, probably twice, I think two weeks ago, I went out um, with the dais to uh to a place that i i hunt a lot um and it's actually getting to the point where the finds are far and few between and it doesn't mean it's cleaned out someplace uh places are never cleaned out as we all know um but i was uh in a in a new little portion of the property that had once been completely overgrown and then had been the the brush had been cut recently and so I hadn't detected there so I went in and uh, swung the machine for a couple hours. Um, at one point I got a really nice signal and for those of you who, who use DAS it, it rang at 93 um, which would be cor- silver quarter. I guess is is generally what what would be a ninety three um, half dollar would be a, a little bit higher than that, and about ancient eight inches down, I pulled out a an eighteen twenty two large scent, which is exciting for me, and I I don't hide the fact that I almost prefer coins over artifacts, um, and then not to far from there, maybe five feet from there, I found another large scent that was a little bit shallower. And then maybe five feet from that, I found another large scent. Um, the first one was 1822 and the second two were in the thirties. I can't remember One I could read the date when I couldn't uh, read the last, the last number. But this coin rang a 92 on a dais, which was um, basically a silver dime area, and it was about nine to ten inches deep. And the funny thing was, the fun thing was, was I dug out the plug, um, and then I just pulled out a bunch of dirt, and there it was laying there with a little bit of the the green corrosion um that set, that set it off from just the color of the dirt and it was just right there in the bottom it was pretty cool and uh so i've never found three large scents 
in one day before, and that that was really really exciting. Um, on the same the same hunt, um, you know, I only I only tend to go out for a couple hours tops because of family obligations, um, but I found a silver spoon and. It was really pretty cool, and I was I I shoved it in my apron and was planning on you know I'd check it out and and see what it was when I got home, and so I got it home. I got it cleaned up as as good as I could. Um, there was still some of that bluish black tarnish on it that I couldn't get off, and so I tried to clean it in Sterling cleaner, and it didn't clean it, it just changed it to this, um, I didn't put much in, but it changed it to this ugly whitish kind of color, which made me think, well, it's probably not sterling. And so I went and looked up the maker, and the story behind it is, um, you know, as I've said before, I live in New Hampshire, and there was a spoon maker, fork maker, um, Silversmith, I guess is what you'd say, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is on the coast of the Atlantic Ocean. And he only made, um, his name was J. Abbott, J. Apostrophe Abbott with two T's. He only made um, spoons and forks and knives for a very short period of time in the early 1800s. And, you know, I was concerned that this would be that old and look like silver and not be stamped. And lo and behold, he was known for making these spoons with co uh, coin silver, which, so we know sterling silver is 0.925 or 92.5% silver. Um, well, he used coin silver. So a practice back then was to melt down silver coins and make things out of them. Um, because back then, if, you know, you had a 50 cent, silver 50 cent piece, it was 50 cents for currency, but it was actually 50 cents worth of silver. Now, obviously, that's become a huge disparity in, over the years. But so he was, um, it was costing him just what it cost for silver. And so he'd melt down, uh, he wasn't the only one, but uh, he'd melt down coins and make um, spoons out of them. So that brought me to the contemplation that would I rather have the flowing hair dollars or the spoon? And I think we know the answer to that. It's a very um, interesting prospect to me that these beautiful coins from the early 1800s, silver coins were just being melted down to make other things. Um, but you know that was the that was the currency rates back then, and that's what uh, 50 cents would buy a 50 cents of silver. So I guess in a way it was logical. It was probably pretty easy to get coin silver. I don't know how easy it would have been to get sterling, but um, you know, everybody had coin silver, I think, uh, more readily than, than sterling. So that was, uh, 
that was a fun find though and that's kind of a a neat story behind it and we all like the the stories we hunt for for stories artifacts um someone in the home lost that out back on a picnic or something and it probably got plowed under for 200 years and I just happened to find it. It was all bent and and sort of messed up. Um, I think there might have even been a fire back back somewhere at some point because I found a burnt up thimble in a in more or less the same area on a different on a different hunt. And this was looked as though the the back um, the part you hold. I don't know the the names for the parts of spoons, but the uh the part you hold what looked a little bit like it might have been burned maybe that's why i couldn't clean it easily but that was fun to find um i had found a silver fork on the another part of the property um that was sterling and was made by a silversmith right in the town i live in and i could trace it to the family um who would have owned it based on the um, monogram on the end and uh, it turns out it was proprietarily made for this family it wasn't a order out of the the Sears catalog kind of a deal it was uh, custom made but anyway um, and yeah so that brings me to the most exciting story that I may ever tell and the night after I, I found the silver spoon in the large sense, um, early afternoon, I had to run home. I'm not sure if it was for lunch or other obligations. And then at seven o'clock at night, two weeks ago, it was, you know, the sun was going down and I had 45 minutes and I went back to the the spot where I found the spoon in the large sense and it's only maybe an acre and it was covered with brush not too long ago and they just brush hogged it um, and I found what at first I thought was pretty amazing um, but I didn't realize the magnitude and I'm not a big artifact person so I I've only seen these things um, on Facebook groups and, and you know, in passing, um, looking in books and things. And uh, so I got a great sound. It rung up exactly like it was a silver dime. It rung up like it was 8 to 10 inches deep. And so I dug and I missed, I missed the center somehow. Um, I didn't hit it luckily, but I missed the center. So I'm down in the bottom of the hole and then I pinpoint and it's in the side, um, the left side as I face the hole. And there's this piece of metal sticking out and I just pull it out. It was a Confederate belt plate and it had a CS on the front of it. And I'm like, oh, Confederate States. That's interesting. I'm in New Hampshire and there was never a Civil War battle in New Hampshire. We only had one regiment, and it was based in Portsmouth. Um, 
you know, maybe one of the occupants of the home that, that owns the property um, served in the Civil War and, and took it as a souvenir down south and brought it back and then lost it. And then, then I found it 150 years later. Uh, that's the only thing I can think. Um, I have no, I can find no record of any type of a union encampment um, in this area, let alone a Confederate encampment. It, it's illogical to think the Confederate um, army would even be up that far. Um, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. My email is omdstories at gmail.com. I'd like to know. But all the research I've done is no way. And so all I can think is that a Union soldier took it off a dead Confederate soldier and kept it as a souvenir and then lost it out in their yard. Um, so I've come to find that it's like one person um, said that it's the Holy Grail and another one said that they've been hunting in the South for 30 years or 40 years and have never seen one or heard of anyone or know anyone that found one. Now I know they get found. I see it now that I have one, I see it on um, auction sites and you can Google and, and see examples of it. But I guess it's pretty rare. And I, it, I've been told, um, that it's probably the find of a lifetime. I'm pretty excited to have it. And, you know, at some point I'll have a historian look at it and they might be able to tell me, you know, where it was even made. It's stamped and the back has a little bit of rust in little spots. And it looks like it had the iron um, belt clasp. There was a little... There was hooks on the back, three hooks, two on one end, one on the other. Um, and the the example that I could find where the fronts matched up, um, but the back had fallen off. And I think it was the iron one, um, and it probably rusted off. But you can see where the little um, solder marks are, where the where the metal would have been. But anyway, it's super cool. I have it sitting in my office right now and I'll put it in a display box and uh, try and get as much information as I can. I'll certainly pass along anything I find out. Um, I know they're of, they're of great interest and, you know, I feel fortunate to find it and I'm just so surprised, not that I found it, but where I found it. So... Yeah, so that's that, and uh, I left my email before a couple minutes ago. If you know anything about it, feel free to email me. Um, and while we're at it, if you enjoy the show or don't enjoy the show, would you mind taking a minute to write a review or to uh, give me a rating? Most of the platforms, I know Apple, um, Audible, probably others will allow you to do that. Um, it would help me greatly, uh, especially reviews to 
to understand what people are liking and what they aren't. Um, and then finally, I have a quick story about a uh, find I made in 1994. I was 24 years old and I was using a Fisher CZ6. And back then on those machines, um, you had to basically use them with a threshold. And, uh, and I know there's some machines today that, that do. Um, I have an Equinox 800 where it actually has the option to have threshold settings and some people like that and some people don't. Um, but on the Fisher, I did. And we were on one of our Longhouse Treasure Hunters trips and we were in sort of like the typical 1880s kind of built park in a town up on the hill and it had like stone bridge and you know um upstate new york has has a lot of a lot of parks like that and uh and so we had a stream running through it and there were four or five of us and we were just wandering around and finding some silver dimes here and there so uh i think seated um at least one guy at least uh, lumpy found a seated dime but there were other other coins found and uh i was for some reason i decided well i'm gonna detect up this little stream it was virtually dry and uh and i got a great hit and it was just under a couple inches of sand pebbles kind of and i pulled it out and it wasn't like anything i've ever found before um you know, I was usually in places where you hope to find mercury dimes and and stuff. And so I got it out, cleaned it off, and uh, we all looked at it. And we could see the date was 1718. And we didn't recognize the, the front or the back of the coin because none of us had ever found one. Um, and so we got it home and researched it, and it was a 1718 British halfpenny. And I'm sure a lot of you have found these, uh, especially in the UK. I'm sure they're everywhere. Um, but even in the US, probably find them in, uh, in fields. Um, but it was it was super exciting to me. And that earned me the 1994 find of the year for the Longhouse Treasure Hunters. And I still have a plaque hanging in my basement next to my metal detector graveyard. Um, it brings back good memories. It was a long, long time ago, 36 years ago, I guess. Um, no, sorry, 26 years ago. I'm not 60, I'm 50. Um, so yeah, that's a story that I wanted to share that uh, that meant a lot to me and included the team and um, and a find that was pretty cool and I haven't found one since. I found a lot of large coppers, but I've never found another uh, British halfpenny. So finally, um, I'm taking a trip down to the Gold Coast which is the east coast of Florida. And I'm lucky enough that I will be metal detecting 
the beaches with Gary Drayton and he's going to give me some pinpointers and ideas and he's bringing me to an area where we would be more likely to find artifacts than rings and necklaces and gold jewelry that the beachgoers would lose. So in a future podcast, I'll definitely fill you in on how that went. I'm very excited about it, and I hope maybe I'll find some Spanish gold. Either way, I'll be metal detecting in the sun, and it'll be a great time, no doubt. Thanks for joining me today. Again, please leave a review, give me a rating. If you have any questions or any ideas on future podcasts, email me at omdstories at gmail.com. This has been One More Dig Metal Detecting Stories, and I'm Dave Sponenberg.